And welcome to another episode of Primitive Rhythm Machine. Uh, Steve is currently out for this one, but I am not alone in the studio today. I This is actually something I'm incredibly excited for. Uh, with me in the studio today, I have Victor Griffin from Place of Skulls. Uh, and if that name sounds familiar to uh, some of the other cats out there, you might know him as the uh, guitarist for a oh little known band called Pentagram. Uh, one of the big four of my favorite metal subgenre, that being Doom, and uh, quite frankly defines everything I find great about guitar playing in Doom Metal. Thank you, sir, for coming on the show. It is an honor to have you with us today. Hey, yeah, totally appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, so just, uh, um, I'm sure you probably haven't heard too much from this show before. What we what we could talk about is we like to talk about music from a kind of a Christian perspective. And uh, now your music uh, specifically in Place of Skulls came on my radar towards the end of last year. Um, I was checking out another band called Empty Tomb and on the sub label that they were on, uh, a little album called Engraved came across my uh, speakers and I'm like, Victor Griffin's, and it, it was... The, it was the Victor Griffin's engraved uh, version of the album that I had picked up. Oh, right. Uh, and I started listening. I'm like, this is really dope. And this cat's got some stupid thick guitar tone. I don't, I can't even figure out, you know? <laughs> uh, and so I started looking it up. I'm like, no way. This is the cat from uh, Pentagram. And so I kind of started reading into it a little bit more. And I didn't, I didn't know that, uh, you, uh, had left Pentagram and went a Christian route. So that was all news to me. And of course mm -hmm. I got excited, um, ended up buying the discography off of Bandcamp because your stuff is really hard to find over here on the West coast. Um, so I, well, that's too bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it, so it, it did leave me kind of with the thought and it kind of gave me the idea for this series of talking to, uh, people, uh, artists who are in secular projects who have since gone on to start Christian projects. Uh, most famously would probably be, uh, Brian Welch from corn. Um, but, uh, you know, we got John Greeley who's going to, who we're going to be talking to later from iced earth, but ultimately it was finding that engraved album that really set me on wanting to, uh, have these conversations and so what what spurred that transition for you from going from uh pentagram to uh, uh place of skulls well it's uh i mean it, all that transition happened quite a number of years back i'm not sure if you know kind of the basic timeline or not but that, that was uh sort of the just past the mid 90s mm -hmm. and uh, i was still in pentagram up until around 96 mm -hmm. and uh, so uh i mean you can you know as deep as you want to go into it but uh basically you know i've been running from god for an extremely long time mm -hmm. you know I mean, kind of trying to make these deals along the way you know what i mean mm -hmm. like well i'll do this and then i'll you know then i'll kind of commit to you and so forth but you know way conviction works you know you're kind of up and down with that you fall into conviction for a while but, you know it's um when you kind of <clears throat> push that conviction down it really subsides you know mm -hmm. and then you just kind of go about your way so i mean i had all kinds of those things going on for years up until um 97 and that's kind of when i first made that that commitment i mean jesus and god is something i I, I believed was the truth since I was probably eight or nine years old. Right. You know, the first time anyone ever explained all of it to me, uh, I, I, I remember just knowing that what I was hearing was the truth. Right. You know? But it took me another, you know, 25 years oh, for sure. to, to come to terms with it, you know? And, um, 
and be in a, a situation too, you know, where, um, you know, you can push, you push it down for so long and, uh, you know, God will eventually let you have your way, you know, as far as, uh, our own free will and our choices, you know, it's like, he's not going to force himself on us, you know, forever. Right. You know, I think, I think that he does, I think he does make it hard to, uh, to, uh, go, you know, I think you really have to squeeze past the cross, you know, Mm -hmm. to, 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 to make it to, or to not make it one way or the other, you know, it's, it's uh, something like that. But, um, so it was around 97. There was some, you know, my, uh, I guess the cat, the main catalyst was that my father was, uh, uh, diagnosed with, uh, stage four lung cancer Mm -hmm. and given a short amount of time to live. And, uh, I was, you know, in a pretty, living a pretty crazy lifestyle for quite a long time and i just knew that i was kind of at a crossroads with, with all that so uh when that happened that was kind of the uh, eye opener so i relocated my family's from from when well, my parents lived in tennessee and i was living up around the dc area where pentagram was always based mm-hmm. around that area and um so i was coming down quite a bit with my dad before he passed and so after he did after he passed uh i came down really kind of indefinitely to, uh, you know, be with my mom for a little bit, you know, until she could get settled and all that. But, you know, I decided it was, it was time for that change. And, um, so I left Pentagram and I really didn't do anything musically for, uh, not anything serious for a couple of years, because after that, I wasn't really sure what kind of direction I, I should go. I didn't, wasn't sure what kind of direction God would have me go, really. So, uh, I mean, essentially, I, I, mean, I practically quit playing uh, for a couple of years. And, uh, but at some point, you know, I, I began to uh, really just kind of pick up acoustic guitar and stuff and, and kind of noodle around with that. And I had, and started actually writing, you know, eventually started writing again. And uh, so wrote a few few songs that you know it would definitely be labeled as christian Mm -hmm. you know yeah and um but i was learning you know i mean i was a a young believer and having to you know i was trying to you know i wasn't completely ignorant as far as theologically but there was definitely a lot i needed to learn you know Mm -hmm. um so and i was taking what i was learning and uh you know, kind of forming lyrics around some of that stuff. And that's what became like some of the early stuff that I wrote that eventually around 2000, uh, yeah, 2000, uh, con- I'd been in contact with one of my, my best friends, Lee Abney, who was also a believer. He was also, um, that we had also played off and on together since high school. Mm-hmm. So we kind of lifelong friends. But uh, we decided that instead of doing this acoustic thing, which didn't really seem to come very naturally. Right. It was almost what I thought that I should be doing. Right. Right. You know? Uh, and, uh, but eventually it was just, it just seemed like I was just kind of going through the motions. with It, it really wasn't me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was buying a lot of like, Chris, I was trying to check out like different Christian music and stuff like that. And there was some decent stuff, but uh, there was really none of the music was music i actually like <laughs> no <laughs> I, I i get that yeah and it's and you don't want to say that because you know i mean i appreciate the lyrical content and all that but stylistically there was nothing there was really nothing out there mm-hmm. and i was like well i don't under, you know i was a little bit confused you know i'm trying to even though i'm in my mid-30s at this time i'm I, you know as far as all this was concerned you know i kind of felt like a little kid mm-hmm. um <laughs> You know, it's just trying to balance that whole thing. You know, what's, uh, I, I guess, you know, then the thing is, it felt like, you know, almost and it, it, when you start getting it, then you start like getting into the organized religion. And then they, then you start getting like uh, bombarded with, with, you know, this work that you're supposed to be doing for the Lord. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you start out and you have peace, this peace and joy, you know, that the Bible talks about, yeah, yeah. The scripture talks about. And that's for real, you know? Absolutely. 
But somehow organized religion starts shoving all this other heavy stuff on you that you're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not witnessing. And if you're not busy for the Lord, you know, then you're not, you know, you're not a a good Christian Mm -hmm. or whatever. And it really weighs you down, you know, and then you start to lose the joy and peace that really comes from God. Right. Because you're starting to add in all this other stuff, you know, all the works, you know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of that men want you to have, you know, right? And tradition and all that. I don't know if I'm getting off base or off 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 subject. Oh no, what, man! But, well, I'll go wherever this story yeah. goes. Yeah, but anyway, so Lee and I were like, well, man, I mean, uh, I want to play something. I want to play heavy, you know. Right. I want to play this stuff that we that we grew up playing. That's, you know, that's what I feel like naturally, if I'm going to play a guitar, that's naturally the kind of stuff I want to, I feel I, I like to play. And that's also the stuff that naturally comes out you know, when I play. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like acoustic stuff, but at the same time, man, I was I, I, I don't feed off that. I don't get that much energy from it, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's some of it I enjoy, but so I was reading, I was reading, uh, what is it? I think it's John. I don't even remember the uh, verse, but it's the, the, the verse, you know, the Golgotha verse, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where it talks about Golgotha, mm-hmm. you know. They crucified him at the place see, of the skull, which is Golgotha. And the place of the skull. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's just like, you know, I remember I was like, I've never heard that before. Right. You know, and uh, so we decided we were going to put together a, something heavy basically it's like i mean the stuff that i wrote in the early days of you know or through the years in pentagram or which a death this band death row which lee and i had formed before pentagram i don't know i'm not sure if you know that era. uh yeah i i've i've read a bit about it yeah but um and even looking back on some of that stuff you can go back to the stuff that i wrote lyrically there there's actually a lot of biblical content mm-hmm. in some of those i mean Obviously, I mean, my heart was not, my heart was in a, and not in a, in a right place, but at the same time, there was something going on, you know, spiritually. Yeah. Where these lyrics, you know, I was using these, writing these lyrics and, and, uh, and all this stuff. Cause I look back at them now and I was like, that's, I could, I could have written these lyrics now. Yeah. Um, but because of the image of pentagram and in that context, or death row mm-hmm. and, and in that context they're not perceived to be that mm-hmm. um so anyway we uh we wanted to do something heavy and loud you know is basically what it boiled down to yeah and uh, it didn't we, we 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 just came to the realization that a lot of this stuff that's put on you religiously mm-hmm. is really is not from god yeah it's not it's not it's not scriptural it's not from god mm-hmm doesn't it doesn't dictate what where your heart is you know yeah so we just put together you know started this band called it place of skulls because i just thought that sounded you know it's it's got you know it's dark and it's cool you know yeah and uh but also the 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 you know the meaning of it you know is the place where jesus was crucified yeah and which is the 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 main point right that's the main point it's just that all the elements of it fit like my personality yeah you know? it's super metal too man so i mean right know your audience yeah right so um yeah so we did that and a year later we recorded our first place of skulls out which was called nailed and uh oh we placed an ad too we didn't have a drum we needed a drummer so i placed an, uh, an ad for it and i put in the ad looking for uh you know a drummer and i said that it was a christian christian rock Christian metal. I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim Tomaselli just finally, eventually responded to that ad, and he became our drummer. And probably uh, within a year, we recorded our first album, the Nailed album. Yeah. Onward from there. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's just thinking back to what you said about you know when you first started trying to listen to christian music um and i i it, you're what you're uh what you said is something that i've heard many times from many people it's just like the initial stuff that you get thrown at you is just i mean you could appreciate it for what it is but it's not it, it just doesn't really stand out to yeah what you would catch in the secular realm 
Um, and that was one of the biggest problems I had up until a couple of years ago, just trying to find, cause like I grew up listening to bands like black Sabbath mm-hmm. and like early candle mass. And, you know, I, I really dug that whole tuned down doom stoner feel, you know, but it's just like, right. and once, once you, once you get into the Christian realm, you start saying, okay, who, who, First of all, it's hard to ask people, okay, who's a good stoner metal band when you're, (laughs) that's, that's a Christian band and people look at you funny because one, they're not familiar with the sub genres, but two, um, you know, they're just like, we don't do that here. (laughs) Um, so I really had to go digging and and pretty much the only name anybody ever gave me was, uh, Forsaken. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that. Not yeah. Forsaken from, uh, Mala, uh, their doom band. Uh, yeah. And it's a, the Christian doom band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and the thing is, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I I've heard of them, mm-hmm. but I I couldn't tell you. Like, I I don't know what you know, and I may have even heard some of their music, but I couldn't yeah. tell you any song. Yeah, but I mean, it, 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 it's just the doom market in in the the doom area of the Christian market is, I it it's sorrowfully lacking uh, to to just put it mildly because you know everybody. Yeah. What's been my experience with a lot of Christian music is that Christian music would rather chase the trends of what's going on, what's big in the secular realm, rather than invest in original content and try to do its own thing. Um, They seem to want to uh, not and not including like the contemporary Christian stuff on the radio mm -hmm. that you hear mostly. But even even that, I agree. You're right. It just follows basically the whatever the trend is going on secular wise, mm-hmm. they kind of follow that trend so they have a version of everything you know that's going on but as far as christian any christian metal that they promote they do the same thing with that as well mm-hmm. you know, it's like whatever popular genre of music whether it be contemporary christian or you know what would be not radio music but metal right. they have their metal versions of that as well mm-hmm. you know um it's not that it's, you know, a lot of it's not necessarily, uh, well, I don't know. I, I was going to say not bad. I mean, there's all kinds of bad music. But, well, yeah, you know. uh, but and, <laughs> it, it just comes across as being formulaic, I think. Yeah, and some of the, uh, and there are some some uh, contemporary Christian bands that I do like. I mean, uh, but they're a little bit older. I mean, like, I loved, like, Casting Crowns. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah, for sure. But. I, I don't, but I don't really care for their later stuff. It's one of those kind of things, just like a, a lot of bands, you know, they do whatever number of albums and then they, they, they're kind of spent, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, and then you've kind of got that situation where the albums kind of like, don't necessarily, they tend not to keep standing up to the earlier right. material. You know what I mean? And, uh, but I think, man, like the first, like three casting crowns albums, three or four of those albums but i love those albums oh for sure that's some heartfelt stuff it's some good very good songwriting it's not heavy Mm -hmm. you know it's just but it's um it's also not poppy though in the sense of like what you know the stuff that's on contemporary christian radio like now yeah i never go listen to it it's just i can't even take it no it's the electronic stuff and then you've got the the vocalists are singing these like uh you know it's like you know these spiritual like life uh life-changing situations and these lyrics and all this kind of stuff but i just don't buy it because they sound like they're little kids for one thing yeah you know and and (laughs) and it's like how much of this have you really experienced you sound like you're 17 you know and uh but anyway i mean i'm not trying to bash it uh i mean there's obviously i'm not a big fan of of you know, commercial secular music either. No, so yeah, I, you know what I mean. No, I for so sure. I'm, I'm, if I was that, if I was bashing any of it, it would be along all lines of. Oh, for as sure. As far as commerciality and thing, you know that kind of. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I never came across, you know, obvious. But with metal, uh, I never really came across. Uh, maybe I'd stop searching. I don't know. I, I kind of, we did Place of Skulls and. I felt like at some point I just sort of drifted away from even looking for, for Christian. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, I've, I've been there sometimes. 
because I, I do a lot of searching. I'm, I'm constantly looking because it, for people who are, have delved into the market it, it, for any length of time, they'll know that distribution for Christian music is difficult uh, because you're already in a niche market. And then if you're going to the harder end of the genre pool, you know, then you're getting into an even more niche market of an already niche market. And it's hard. That's the, and it's like I said, it's, it's hard for me to get physical copies of your stuff over here on the West coast because you guys are East coast based. Um, and in the same sense, like I could probably talk bands with you all day long about stuff that you've probably never heard of either. So, uh, yeah. fortunately with a, with a digital marketplace, you know, you can, you can still get your stuff out there. Um, and after I'd already picked up your stuff, just to pass this little uh, feather in your cap along to you, um, for a previous episode, I got to know the uh, former CEO of Rottweiler Records, which is a heavy Christian uh, record label based out of Indiana uh, with with some really top tier talent on there. Um, but I was I, I was going to do I was get kind of talking to him and prepping to do an interview uh, interview of with him on this show and uh we were just talking talk and i was talking about how i was looking for some really riff heavy bands you know in the vein of you know some like black sabbath or some i'm a big pink floyd fan too and he's like well you know i don't know if you've heard of them but there's this band called uh there's this band called place of skulls maybe you should check them out they're they're uh dark is uh, the black is never far album is just primo stuff and i'm like dude i already have all that let's move on from there so but i mean you got so you got <laughs> ceos of record labels who, who like listen to you and yeah. recommend you to people who are looking for stuff so i oh, mean, well, that's cool. when when, yeah. when when you've got the brass that are recommending to you recommending you to just rando interviewers they're probably gonna <laughs> that probably means you're yeah. doing something right um oh well that's cool for sure um yeah so what kind of uh, label is that? You said it's a... Uh, it's a Christian heavy heavy metal hard rock label. They yeah. they do a lot of... they There's a lot of uh, extreme stuff on there. Like there's a band... One of my favorites on there is a band called Taking the Head of Goliath. And they're kind of deathcore stuff. Like uh, they would be in the vein of like Cannibal Corpse. They played with uh, Suffocation. I think before, and they were supposed to play be, before uh, COVID ruined everything. They were supposed to play with uh, Napalm Death up there in Minnesota, yeah. um, but uh, it, it, it's not exclusively that. They've got uh, kind of a horror punk band on there called Grave Robber. Yeah, um, they got you know it, it's basically kind of just punk, hard rock, metal, you know, hmm. type yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, I've heard of Grave Robber. Mm-hmm. Yeah um yeah i've actually said i think i've seen pictures of them i mean they actually like do up the whole ghoulish thing yeah yeah they do i mean i mean if you if you if we really want to be on on honest about it they kind of do the whole misfit shtick um right but uh yeah i'm they do uh they do the makeup and they dress up on the stage and all their songs are kind of tongue-in-cheek references to horror films but inclusive of the gospel within it as well right yeah now yeah so well we we tried to do i mean when we were first doing place of skulls even after the first album we uh we also didn't know the only connections i had in the music scene was like promoters for secular venues mm-hmm. and heavy heavy rock i didn't have any connections with anyone you know as far as you know, any sort of christian music promoters of any kind so i didn't know how to go about getting shows Unless it was just kind of a word of mouth thing, you know, like a, somebody knew a pastor somewhere mm-hmm. or putting on some kind of an event or whatever. But we never really seemed to. I mean, we tried that like a few times and we never really fit into that that niche that they were doing there yeah. because it seemed like somehow uh, we were always heavier and louder than like they expected that anyone would be with something like that. Yeah, that, you know. that can be the way when you're doing Christian, a Christian based <laughs> booking. Yeah. 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 So what we did, we were like, well, you know what? Let's just, again, it was just like do, forming the band. Let's just do what we do, you know? 
And so I just started contacting, you know, some of the usual people that knew me that I knew. Mm -hmm. And so we just started doing, you know, regular shows and uh, going that route. And for the most part, you know, it's work, it, it worked out. And, you know, and I guess part of the justification for that, too, you know, if you if you needed justification, you know, was that you're uh, you're bringing that element of, of you know, God's word and spiritual spirituality into places that probably, you know, need it, definitely need it. Yeah, for sure. More than, more than four walls of a church building kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And I think that's kind of a weird expectation. Like in a lot of cases, you'll find that those bands that only play at, in front of the church crowds, um, yeah. they're usually composed of people who grew up in a church for the entirety of their life. Yeah. And so that's an expectation that kind of gets put on them because, you know, and that, that was kind of how it was for me when I was growing up before I started playing in bands and kind of seeing how things worked. You know, my mom was always like, well, why would you want to ever want to play in a bar and try to bring people into <laughs> those places? Right. And, and so that was the mentality. I went in with it. Well, then, you know, if you, you start playing in Christian bands and especially heavier bands and, you know, churches are just like, well, you're not you guys are super loud for one and you're not going to be like DC talk or whatever, right. or the newsboys or whatever. And so you're not going to bring in 20,000 people into our church. So we're not interested in you as an outreach tool. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me at all. Right. So eventually you just got to make that decision. It's just like, okay, well, if I can't play to the Christians, then I'm going to, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like, <laughs> the apostle Paul, you know, if the Jews won't have me, then I'll preach to the Gentiles. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and so it's just like, yeah. you know, I have seen some of the best responses to Christian bands in a secular marketplace than you yeah. ever will at a, a Christian centric audience. Yeah. And if a band's really going to consider themselves to be doing anything of outreach or whatever, you know, going and playing the Christian crowd really isn't what you should be doing then anyway. Cause yeah. They already know what you're trying to say. Right. And I, I think the, and the angle that we took as well is like, well, we don't want to like, we don't want to, we don't want people to get, be under the impression that we're coming in there to play just to like, you know, beat this, beat this thing yeah. over their head, you know? Yeah. And so we just kind of, I mean, if it was brought up, yeah, that's what we do. I mean, that's what we are and so forth, but you know, we didn't necessarily make this big, big, you know, make a big deal out of it promotion wise mm -hmm. or anything. We just started playing shows with bands that were in the same genre as say like Nirvana mm -hmm. or doom metal, doom metal, band, you know, on the same bills. And, you know, cool thing, you know, after a certain amount of time, after, you know, two or three albums, you know, we're playing in sec fully secular shows, not only in the, in the U S but in Europe as well. Yeah. And just look out in the audience and people are singing, these lyrics you know mm -hmm. and but the thing is i think they come across it's almost just like you know so it's like some of the black sabbath lyrics you can go back and, and look at some black sabbath lyrics mm -hmm. they're all like you know, these i mean people always talk about the song after forever yeah obviously you know that's the, one of the main ones but there's also lots of other songs you know, in their catalog mm -hmm. that uh lean toward that the, the spiritual side yeah not not really it's more like warnings you know mm -hmm. rather than this perception that it's dark and doomy and evil it's really you know it's like hey we're given a choice here yeah choose life right know? right 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 so, yeah so now you know in, in doing my research prior to uh this episode i was kind of looking at timelines and there was a there was a time period after you had already started up uh place of skulls where you went back um and did some work with pentagram and mm -hmm. uh was there any trepidation did you have any trepidation going into that uh being having coming been coming from specifically place of skulls yeah that was that happened around 2010 um uh, i was doing we had just put out the place of skulls album uh as a dog return mm -hmm. we had just come out of the studio for that and, and i don't remember honestly i don't remember specifically why Bobby Liebling, the lead singer of Pentagram, mm -hmm. he and I uh, started talking again or something. Or I do know, I do remember we Place of Skulls played a show up around D.C. and Bobby came to that show. Mm -hmm. He 
that that job. Maybe that was what kind of sparked the whole thing, and then we started being in touch again. He was in really bad shape at the time, right? You know, it's no secret he's had all sorts of issues with addiction and stuff like that. But he was at the show and, and not in good shape at all. And uh, but we stayed in touch, and then I began hearing about how Pentagram was like, you know, back on the road and had this new band. I mean, Bobby was the only original guy. Mm-hmm. Get a band and they were starting to play some shows and actually tour and so i was like really amazed that bobby was even happy to be on the road right so uh anyway uh eventually after several conversations and you know just really good talks on the on the phone too you know i mean he knew where i was coming from and, and everything and um his guitar player like just quit they were they were supposed to do some tour and then the guitar player quit like literally like i don't know two, three days before the tour or something. So he called me and asked me if I would do it. But I was already, I was halfway through the tour that they had. I was going to be, Place of Skulls was leaving to go to Europe mm-hmm. to do a tour. So I said, no, it's, it's completely impossible. I said, you know, first of all, I have this to do and I don't, I'm not sure I would do it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, um, and he's either that conversation or a, uh, subsequent conversation he said they also had a tour like and i think this was like in march or something where he said uh, we also have a tour in may could you do the one in may and that's that would have been after place of skulls was back home and everything too and i said i don't know we'll have to talk about that i don't know i'm not sure that i'm not sure mm-hmm. but if i can help you i will you know and uh, after a couple of conversations you know there was something i mean i really wanted to help him, mm-hmm. you know and I, I felt like that uh, he is Bobby is, has definitely been his own worst enemy mm-hmm. at times. And he's definitely takes a lot of has taken a lot of patience to deal with it, too. But at the same time, I really felt for him. and I really wanted to, to try to help him. And, you know, if and not only, you know, as a friend and help him physically and, and even if I could be any of any spiritual encouragement. And uh, so I said, I don't know, we'll talk about the May thing. And then I decided that I, that I would do it under a few conditions and that's, and also that it would be just that one tour and he needed to find someone during the time, during that, you know, to be his permanent guitar player. But I said, we, and they had, they had like a pentagram on the bass drum mm-hmm. at the time. And, and there was always all this promo, you know, with that, uh, you know, really dark stuff, baphomets and mm-hmm. all this stuff, just promos, you know, and for shows or whatever and i said well first of all you know got to take got to drop all the you know satanic symbolism and all that stuff and um and you got to be clean you know Mm -hmm. from drugs and i think that was that was kind of basically it just you know be clean and and drop all the satanic symbolism you know no pentagram and upside down crosses you know six six sixes and all this all this stuff all over everything all the promo Mm -hmm. t-shirts and that he agreed so uh so i did that tour with him and and i was pretty sure that he wasn't really searching very hard for another guitar player right and uh it it just became one of those things where i I ended up you know being back in pentagram Mm -hmm. and uh and things worked out i mean you know we weren't using any of the that type of dark symbolism Mm -hmm. anymore any t-shirt designs, you know, were just basically just sort of rock and roll t-shirts, you know, mm-hmm. just said, I mean, we couldn't drop the name, right? obviously, but you know, just the, you know, the, the logo and whatever artwork, you know, was attached to say, you know, a certain tour or whatever, but none of the, you know, Baphomet and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, anything. But, uh, but like, well, your initial question too was like, you know, I guess how did I balance that with you know, being a believer? And uh, I guess I, I reflected on, you know, people like Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. uh, Blackie Lawless, Mark Farner, uh, any number, you know, there's, yeah. there's uh, uh, other people too, you know, over the years. And so it's just like, well, what, you know, what would God have me do? I mean, these guys are out here doing this thing mm-hmm. you know, and they profess to being believers. They're just doing their thing, you know. I think that, I mean, you got to try to be upstanding while you're doing it. You can't go out and just go nuts. Right. I, don't, I don't believe in the whole like 
greasy grace kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And but it, it was pretty good. But I tell you, man, I I did. It wasn't like that that I didn't struggle with at that time mm-hmm. too. You know, being on the road and stuff. You know, is this where I really should be? And a lot of temptation and stuff like that, obviously. And so I don't know how much you know about between say 2010 and 2017 or so or 18. You know, before the all the COVID stuff hit. Mm-hmm. I was a base I was in and out of Pentagram about three different times oh, yeah? during that year. And it was usually because of like, you know, some sort of, you know, something, you know, things are getting a little too crazy on the road and just feeling like I shouldn't be there and then struggling really with that. Right. You know, the justification of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of wandered back and forth, you know, across the fence several several times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and I, I, I do appreciate you t- uh, being willing, willing to talk about it from that end. And that was the reason I wanted, I wanted to bring it up because I know, you know, someone becomes a Christian and they leave their old secular project and start a new Christian project. And I think in a lot of cases, those new Christian fans would get so, they, they get so offended when you go back and they don't understand, you know, why the why, um, like uh when brian welch went back and started playing with corn again you know he caught crap from the the christian market about it and it's like you guys don't understand the thought process that goes behind it because a lot of like i said a lot of that marketplace are people who grew up in a church who've never had to experience everything else and that there's a certain amount of grace to that that they didn't have to experience that and i can appreciate that but in the same sense it's just like you know why 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 do you go into a secular marketplace if you're a christian band well because the, one the christian people don't want what we have to offer and right. you know it, it may not be the crowd that's your uh, mission field you know I, i've i've played in christian bands we didn't like like you said we didn't advertise you know we weren't out there proselytizing specifically but you know what right. people picked up on what we were singing on and people would ask us to pray for them but our, we always felt that our mission field was, wasn't the crowd, but it was the other bands that we would play with or the other artists that we interact with. And so yeah. when I see, you know, like you going back into Pentagram and hearing your side of the story saying, Hey, you know, that was, that was me trying to be Jesus for, you know, this guy that I've worked with over all these times. And that's me trying to show love to this person trying to help them, you know, pick it up. You know, it's, it, it, it's a refreshing perspective because a lot of, a lot of people just automatically assume, oh, they're just chasing that dollar sign. And it's just like, it's yeah. not like that. Right. Um, yeah. And if you realized, I mean, Pentagram is not, I mean, Pentagram is fairly well known, mm-hmm. but it's also, also not a household name right. either. So as far as financial success from it, I mean, you know, I mean, there was some lucrative tours and stuff like that, but not the kind of money that, you know, right. that's going to be life changing, you know, yeah. or anything like that. Um, but yeah. Um, uh, then, you know, around, uh, it was right before the COVID stuff happened. And then uh, I was actually going through, I mean, I've, you know, well, not to get into a lot of detail, but I've also, you know, struggled with pretty severe depression mm-hmm. and stuff like that from time to time. And so I was going through some stuff, you know, around 2008. And also I was kind of back on the fence, you know, about Pentagram and all that. And uh, we had started actually to kind of get Place of Skulls fired up as well, Mm -hmm. do some stuff. Uh, I mean, it was never completely defunct during the the Pentagram when I was back in Pentagram because we kept sort of doing stuff and playing a few shows here and there. We wanted to kind of make, elevate that back to priority right so i decided it was probably time it was probably time and it was probably best to at that point just kind of step back a little Mm -hmm. go pursue place of skulls again you know maybe there are because i will tell you there are times when you're on the road you know like that a lot we were we were starting to be on the road quite a bit which i love i really like being and uh but sometimes you know if you don't stay man if you don't stay like spiritually in shape spiritually fit there are times you know when um you're going into what would be called you know from a from a christian 
respect or the Christian point of view, which is going into more of a dark, the dark side, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, I don't necessarily see it that way. I know what it is. I know it's there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, you know, and I'm sure you have too. I mean, we live that side of it as well. You know? And, uh, but sometimes that can, that can start to have more of an effect on you than you're having. on it. Right. And, so I think there were several times where I kind of got to that point where I felt like I was kind of wilting you know, yeah. spiritually. Yeah, yeah. And it was time to reach. It was time to recharge. Yeah. You know. And so, <clears throat> well, that at that point I just sort of stepped away. Yeah, for sure. And that that kind of steps into the next question that I that I had was, because uh, um, that kind of brings us into the up to the now. Uh, and what is, what is the, what is the future for uh place of skulls? Is there, you guys working on new material or. Well, up at last year, we, uh, it was a, really at the beginning of last summer, um, uh, kind of reconnected with, with what well, Lee and I had sort of already been working on some new material, just the two of us mm-hmm. without a drummer. And then we reconnected with Tim Tomaselli, who was our original drummer. And, uh, you know, we thought, well, this would be really cool. We can you know, original the original members, you know, work on write some new material, put out a new record, and then we also got invited at the same time to play uh, Maryland Doom Fest, mm-hmm. um, which was not until October. So that gave us plenty of time to kind of knock the rust off, write, you know, work on new material, as well as you know, play some of the older material that we would include in the set when we played this festival. And, um, so we, we, we really worked on a lot of good stuff and, and you know, had a good time. We were having like these, uh, really long rehearsal, eight hour rehearsals some days, you know, and, uh, but, uh, Tim, you know, had some, uh, personal issues, uh, come up just like really a couple of weeks away out from the time we were supposed to play that festival. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we ended up having to get, Sean Saley, actually, who had been in Pentagram in like around 2014, mm-hmm. I called him and he was able to do it and step in. So we kind of switched the set around and we did some of the older material that I'd written. And actually, a couple songs that were several songs besides the Place of Skull stuff that were had been on Pentagram album mm-hmm. you know, because that was the only material he knew. Right. So we had to switch up the material and we didn't have time to work in somebody to learn new material you know, or material that they weren't familiar with. And he came on by the time we had gotten a uh, confirmation from, from him to do the show, it was only like three or four days away. Mm-hmm. So uh, we went and did it as place of skulls, but we played, you know, besides that material, we also played a bunch of like what was originally death row material and became pentagram material at some point earlier pentagram. And it was a great show. I mean, it went over good and, and all that. And so, um, but after that, after you know lee and i got home at this point we've just decided we've basically because penny uh, place of skulls has been on again off again mm-hmm. for like 20 years now yeah we've been through several different drummers and a couple of different bass players and at this point i'm really somewhat tired of the you know the it being fractured putting it back together and working on stuff and and so right now uh, Lee and I are going, kind of going into another direction, not musically. I mean, musically, stylistically, it's, it's going to be the same stuff. You know, it's going to be lyrically, it's going to be close to the same thing. It's going to be called death row revival. Death row revival. Yeah. And, uh, but heavy doom, just like, you know, the place of skull stuff. Um, but we are, uh, working on a reissue of the first two place of skulls albums on vinyl nice which uh hopefully the first one will be will be out by the end of this year and then the with vision album will be out next year with vision so is a the, solid and, album too yeah so those are uh that's that's what's in the works as well as uh the new material we've been working on for the new thing which also you know hopefully will by the end of this year be in the studio recording of the album for uh, death row revival awesome yeah, I I am actually looking forward to that, and I will search the internet's exclusive uh, excessively to find out uh, how I can stay <laughs> up to date on that for sure. 
Um, yeah, we haven't even really started. I mean, we did like a couple of, we did sort of a, uh, off the cuff photo, just photo session. We, uh, we don't have a permanent drummer right now, mm -hmm. but we have, I mean, I have some, I have a handful of like great drummers I've played with, you know, that are willing to do, um, they all live, you know, in different places. You know, there's Pete Campbell who, who's toured with Place of Skulls. He lives up in Minnesota and he's on board to do what he can when he can. Mm -hmm. you know? um, Henry Vasquez, who lives down in Dallas, jammed with him a little bit. He was a drummer in St. Vitus. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Oh, for sure. And he's willing to do some stuff. Right. Sean Saley, who the guy just did the, the show with us, you know, last October. And, uh, and a couple of European drummers, and they're all top-notch drummers. Yeah. So, I mean, we would, ideally, we would like to find, like, the perfect, you know, uh, permanent permanent guy, mm -hmm. but we would also like to find someone who's, like, at least, you know, distance-wise is sort of somewhat regional to where we are. In proximity. So we can have those live rehearsals and that live, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Everybody does this. I mean... With the technology like we're doing right now, yeah. which it's cool to be able to do this, but man, I really, I really just dig the vibe of being in the same room and working on these songs instead of just doing everything, you know, sending files back yeah. and forth. And, you know, I mean, I'm not knocking it for sure because it's, it's so cool to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. But it's also, there's an element that's missing yeah. as well. You know? Yeah. There, there's a little bit of lag. You don't have the, you don't have the openness for improvisation when you're not all in the same place. You got to, it's a little right. bit more, it's a little bit more rigid and a little less, uh, yeah. free. No, I can definitely appreciate that. My, my current band that I'm in, uh, we just, we had just started, uh, we finally got our finalized our lineup and started, uh, practicing in March of, uh, March of 2020. And so, if you follow that timeline the next month after that, everything got locked down. And so we weren't even able to practice yeah. after that first month for, wow. for, for almost a half a year. So I can definitely appreciate the not being in proximity to have that, the live practice. It changes the energy entirely. Yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, like if we could find, I'm hoping we're going to find someone. Um, but if we don't, I mean, we're going to keep moving forward anyway. Mm -hmm. If we have to do it that way, we will. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. Well, we are coming up towards the end of the hour, uh, Mr. Griffin. Where can people find your music and give you money to best support you and your <laughs> projects? Well, there's still a uh, there's a Place of Skulls website which is still online, mm -hmm. and it's called it's uh, called uh, is it Place of Skulls Official or Official Place Place of Skulls Official? Placeofskullsofficial.com, and you can order what's still available. I mean, a couple of things like the first two albums are out of print until we get these reissues. Uh, but you can still get, you know, you can get the Black is Never Far, As the Dog Returns, you can get the Engraved still, and uh, all that you can order directly from us. Um, you can go to Stone Groove Records. Uh, it's a good friend of mine's label up in Phoenix. Randy Mashad, he has everything as well on his website. Mm. There's a, I think he has a, he has a band camp set up for Place of Skulls and t-shirts and mugs. So the Place of Skulls, I mean, we're we're still going to be promoting the Place of Skulls stuff mm -hmm. even as Death Row Revival. Mm -hmm. So when we get this, uh, and which we will have that website up fairly soon too, and so the, but the Place of Skulls stuff will also be available on there when that becomes that site gets up. So in the meantime, you know, and then, uh, you know, I have, we have a Place of Skulls uh, Facebook page as well as our personal pages, right. my personal page, and then Lee Abney's personal. I'm going to have to go send him a friend request after I get off this interview with you. Uh, yeah, hit him up. <laughs> I'll, I'll say Victor sent me. Uh, yeah. So excellent. Uh, I, I, with with uh, uh, final question, with the, uh, with the uh, COVID uh laws lifting as are you will uh death row revival or place of skulls be doing any touring this year uh i hope so but it's not really likely and the reason why is because we really need something to promote mm -hmm. you know and so by the time either the nailed reissue is out or a new album we're really going to be pushing towards the end of the year mm -hmm. and so it's going to be more there and 
hopefully we will have at least you know a handful of one-off shows at least mm-hmm. you know by the end of the year i can't i don't foresee us being able to at this point especially now that we're already going into april right to uh be able to do any sort of actual touring Mm-hmm. unless it was just happened to be like a little short run here and there of like maybe three or four shows or something like that but um it really to do a proper tour you know you're talking it takes you know four to six months to set something up like that you're right you know with the proper routing and all that yeah. so probably nothing um any probably nothing over maybe two or three shows and gotcha. some short runs here and there if that but as far as next year that's a whole different story so get this, these releases out the way we want to then by this time next year i definitely want to make back to lewis roads and stuff for sure and here and in europe hopefully yeah but i don't know if i, I don't know i don't know how if i go back to europe <laughs> no, that's a whole other thing it depends on what's going on at the time i suppose <laughs> yeah right all right yeah. all right well thank you so much for joining us on this show i i certainly do appreciate it uh and if you out there in listener land have enjoyed anything that you've heard here or just enjoy good music in general, I advise you to go check out Place of Skulls and keep your eyes peeled for uh, Death Row Revival. Um, and if you've liked, if you like this podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe on whatever platform that you are listening on. That helps put us in front of other like-minded individuals who might be interested in this podcast and. Of course, as always, we certainly do appreciate you listening. Uh, Primitive Rhythm Machine is a division of the Geek Devotions Network, and we are striving to let you know that you are loved. And if you get nothing out of this podcast outside of that, just know you are loved. There is a purpose for your life. Thank you, everybody, and good night. Good night.